This is Martin Brossman, and this is another special edition talking about a small roller skating rink that went from knowing very little about social media and web marketing to learning about it to having several big challenges and still going strong. I'll be returning to my regular brief tips in the new year, but I thought this might be entertaining, especially for anyone driving or having some extra time before New Year's. This is the audio track of a video interview that was done over Zoom. The link to the actual video is in the text. Welcome everybody for the Main Street Mastermind video interview. And uh, this is with myself and Dave Baldwin. And we've got a special guest tonight that has a wonderful story of having a roller skating rink and facing a number of challenges and coming out ahead. You know, what I remember is that you you came in uh, and said, uh, we're second generation. We really don't have much of a presence online. We have competition that seems to be have a lot of advantages that beyond what we can afford. And we're a little concerned about the future. That is true. You know, there is there's by the way, I'm in Rocky Mount, North Carolina. Our um town, our little city is probably about fifty-five thousand population. I'm located on the east side of uh the city. I'm in Edgecombe County, which, you know, basically we're very considered rural, mm -hmm. um, economically depressed. Mm -hmm. Um but there is, I do have a competitor in Rocky Mount shares two counties. He's in the other county. He has the newer building. More people are, um, oh, Yvonne said she has family in Nash yeah, County. Cool. Great, great. Yeah. Um, again, he has a larger facility. Um, so people just tend to gravitate there. His location, of course, is far more desirable. He's right there by the mall. I'm kind of out in the county a little bit. Nobody's coming out to me. I'm the destination if they come. And, um, of course, the advantage now is I totally understand the digital marketing, the social media. So I... You know, I do have a leg up on him now because uh, if he does anything, he's going to pay somebody else to do it. And the other thing I want to just add is when we met I uh, and you were talking in class about working with kids. And all I remember is if I ever had children, I want them to spend time with this woman because they'd probably learn more than they would from me as a parent. And then I looked on your content and saw <clears throat> you were absent. And your your competitive advantage was you. And we looked at the other place, which is a nice place, bigger place, other features. But the owner did not choose to want to be actively involved. And that's another business model. If it's working, it's great. And I really put on there the the ingredient for you to have a competitive advantage is you. And we got to get you out there. And I'd like you to talk about it because a lot of people face this. You know, that childhood, don't wave your own flag. And and 
you might remember some of my responses to it, uh, mention that because that's an important aspect many of these businesses get. And when you don't do that, you're just a commodity. You're just competing with a big box. You have no real unique competitive advantage often without that. Yes. You know, it is kind of hard to just toot your horn all the time. Uh, I guess growing up sometimes, you know, my mother might say, you know, you might be a little bossy in there or do you think real uh, highly of yourself? So, you know, I certainly don't want people to think that about me. I'm not that way. I'm really not that bashful. I'm I'm willing to take game on and do whatever. But Martin said, you know, you are the face of the business. And I am. I'm Mrs. Denise. I'm the chief fun officer. I'm the queen of fun. So come on in. Let's have some. And um, so he did help me to see, you know, get out there. Uh, this is what they're looking for. And um you know, people will come in sometimes, are you Miss Denise? And I'll say yes. And, you know, I want them to feel comfortable coming in. Um, again, we are a second generation uh, operator. So a lot of our customer base, we are heavy in third generation families currently, and we're starting to see some of fourth generation. So, you know, it's real nice when the next generation comes in and says, this is Miss Denise. If you if she has any trouble with you out here now, she's going to know how to get in touch with me. I am certainly um, respected and appreciated by my community. You want to let's talk a little bit about COVID? Yeah, yeah, that's the next big hurdle because you were building up to some of the best years you had had in many years. Yes, I remember yes, you things. saying January before COVID is one of the best ever. This is working tremendously, uh, even yes, though I we, resist getting out there on doing it. And then the wall of COVID hit. We, uh, we, I think we closed March the 17th for COVID. That Jan, uh, the whole I guess that's almost like a quarter. It was out of the ballpark. I had more than doubled my revenue from the year before over that period of time. And, you know, skating can be cyclical. So it was probably timed where it was, we were due that rise. And of course, COVID hit. One weekend, I probably had half the crowd I normally had. So I told my brother, I said, let's elect to close because in our culture, you know, the children will say to their parents, well, Miss Denise is open tonight. I want to go skating. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like they look to me. I mean, I've, I'm open. So what's wrong with that, mom? Let's go. Same thing with the weather if it's bad. Well, she's going to open. I want to go skating. Well, that mother might not want to get out in bad weather. So I told my brother, I, I felt like we probably should close because I felt like our families were concerned. And so we voluntarily closed. And then, of course, the governor shut us down. Our association immediately started doing town hall meetings via Zoom. And we began to put a plan in place of how to keep our facilities safe uh, from germs or anything that might uh, be bad for our customers. 
We had all the signage created, um, protocols for what we were going to do to clean. And um, I, <clears throat> we kept waiting uh, for somebody in North Carolina to step up and kind of take the lead and, and be the spokesperson. The vice president of our association has a rink in Charlotte, actually has three rinks. So I kind of felt like he might step up to the bat. He didn't. So I thought, well, I guess I'm going to do it. So I became the spokesperson. I started emailing the, um, the governor along with Mandy Cohen's office. And, um, you know, I just said, we've got to open our businesses back up. We were closed right at six months. And um, I you know, had several database of rink operators in North Carolina. So I started communicating with them, asking them to make phone calls and um, emails, trying to, you know, help us get a better footing in that office. So uh, I did have several others, you know, not everybody will participate like that, but we finally got a teleconference with Mandy Cohen's office with one of her assistants. We had five of us on the call, our executive director and four other, three other rink operators beside myself. And so we all went through our plan of how we wanted to open our rinks again safely. Uh, then after the last one spoke, she said, I think you guys have come thinking we could give you an exemption and there are no exemptions. Mm -hmm. Well, I had to say, time out, ma'am. Mm -hmm. The governor just stated that the breweries had come to your office and you guys had granted them um, an exemption. And she said, well, I don't know anything about that. That isn't what I wanted to hear. So I turned to my brother and I said, I just feel like somebody's lying to us. We have got to open. So I have a very good relationship with my sheriff. I called him and I said, Sheriff Clee, I cannot continue to keep my doors closed and paid my bills. I want you to know that I am going to open mm -hmm. and um I said, I think I have protocols and things in place. I can do it safely. If it proves out not to be, I'll make a different decision. But for now, I'm going to open. And his response was, I understand, Miss Denise. I'm not going to come after you. But I will call you if somebody calls and complains. Mm -hmm. And I said, that's a fair deal, sir. Never had a call. I don't believe he did either because we didn't have any, any problems. Well, I want to add Here. something to that because I've been, I was teaching, I'm from, I'm in Raleigh, the capital city, you know, in North Carolina, but I was on the road and the small towns in North Carolina were having a very different experience than Raleigh. I mean, I went in towns where they had no cases whatsoever. And what they were seeing is their economy destroyed 
And while Raleigh had real serious issues going on, you even before you shut down, got on the call with a lot of the parents and said, here's what my plan is. What is your view? I'm going to make a decision. And so you really reached out to your customers and talked to them. And then you did before you opened to and said, here's what yes. I plan. I'm only going to let small groups in. We're going to watch it carefully. Everyone has to you know, do this and this and this. And here's the protocol but I need this to get open. And this is uh, why I'm such an advocate of localism, you know, that we have to take the power back into our small towns and have better communication. You did all those, you double-checked it. And uh, this was so important because that also bought buy-in where the parents are going, we, we trust her, she's taking the lead. And this was a chance. And he also communicated with the authorities. If you have to do something, I'm letting you know. I'm either doing this or I'm losing my business. We had had a strong, what you might say, first quarter. And we're used to banking our money because when we get to the summer, that's our slow months. Mm. I don't make enough. I don't typically generate enough revenue in the summer to cover all the expenses. So I got to dig into some of that money I put aside in the bank when those times are sweet. So I'm so thankful we had such a strong first um, 10, 12 weeks, because that's really what enabled us to keep those doors open and not be uh, fretting. So, because I believe me, I would have been fretting otherwise if I hadn't had that cash in the bank. Even during COVID, it was great to use social media uh, to keep our customer base informed what was going on. And of course, Snapchat, that's hilarious because that is how the children communicate to me. They know they can speak directly to me through that app. When are you going to open, Miss Denise? And yada, yada, yada. You know, they'd ride my case. I had already established pretty good as far as a, a number of followers in my social media. So it was um, when we actually, after we were shut down, probably after the first month, I did go in and do a few live uh, broadcasts from the rink. Just something, because everybody's at home. They're sitting on the couches, scrolling on their phones. I just needed to give them some content. And I did that several times, as well as just trying to, you know, put some good content out there so that um, they would know I'm still pursuing skating. And as soon as we could open back up, I want you to be at my place. I remember so. you calling and saying, what type of professional lights do I need? And I said, do you have a lamp from your from working in the house, one of those cheap lights? Do you have a ladder and do you have a tripod? And you took a picture of you sitting there with one lamp for your lighting. And, and it was attached to that. I have a 10 foot ladder. Yeah. But um it, it was funny. I, I told my husband, I said, when I'm doing this, I want you to take a picture because I'm going to share that with Martin. He might need it for, as a resource. <laughs> Excellent. So, so Denise, there's a couple of takeaways that I'm getting from what you've shared tonight as far as what's at the core of what's really helped you to stay in business and be successful over the years. And there's three things I heard you do that, in my experience, a lot of brick and mortar businesses are not willing to do. 
One is that you took a proactive communication stance in your community, took a leadership role and created that kind of collaboration with other small businesses. The second thing I heard was you actually learned how to do the social media yourself. Like in other words, instead of like you'd said to your earlier point, I'm not going to just pay somebody and hope they're getting it right, but I'm going to actually learn how this actually works and, and take on that knowledge. And the, the third piece was, I see that you took a longer view. You, you really focused on the long game instead of thinking, okay, you know, what I only need to do things that are going to bring cash in the door in the next two weeks, which I hear, unfortunately, that's a lot of times the mentality, but I, right. I feel like those were three really big takeaways I got. Uh, but I'm curious, is there anything else that you would say has been a really key to your success and, and what's really made things work for you? Again, I guess it's like Martin saying, you know, just getting out there so that people uh, are familiar with you. Uh, again, I'm pretty active on my Google, my business profile. Um, I, I ditched my landline. And I moved, I ported that number over to Verizon. That's my cell provider. So uh, they have an app called OneTalk. And I have that app on my phone. And I can tell it'll it'll be a OneTalk phone. Somebody's calling my rink number. And I can answer, good afternoon, Skyview Skateland. They have no idea where I'm at, but, um, and they call all kinds of times and I'm usually always available. And I think that is very impressive to them. Um, cause sometimes, you know, they can call me at eight o'clock in the morning and I'm answer. I'm an early bird. So I'm up anyway. And they're like, oh, I thought I'd get a recording. No, I'm live and real. How can I help you? And, you know, we do live in a day and age that when people want to know something, they want to talk to a real person. They don't want to talk to an answering machine. Uh, they don't want to have to search for it. They want to go straight to the horse's mouth and, and get the information. The, the thing that comes to mind for me is I've met a number of business owners that will go to great lengths to avoid communicating yes, with their customers yes. or being seen by them. Uh, so I think that's a really big plus. The fact that you're that availability and visibility do, goes a long way to create trust. Oh, it, it is tremendous. I mean, it it opens the door. It, it, I guess it starts that relationship. You know, what is it, Martin? People like to do business with people that they know, like, and trust. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think a lot of times that really is where it starts. Um, and the same thing, again, with Messenger through your social apps, even your Google business profile messaging that way. Um, people want to know that they can reach out and touch you. And I, I just try to be available. The next thing that happened is you you get back open and then all of a sudden you find you have a water problem that looks like insurmountable. And these are the things that can put under many businesses. Again, my skating rink is 64 years old. My father built it. You know, he was really a jack of all trades. He did a fabulous job of building it. That My skating surface is three-quarter northern hard rock maple under that is two by six tongue and groove flooring subflooring and then under that are uh, your floor joist and your beams because i am built over a crawl space 
Well, I did not realize it, but I had some water that had been collecting under, and that was what was causing some of my damage. So I had a few different folks to look up under there, and I really thought uh, a former skater was who I was going to let do the work. He didn't really investigate to see where the water, he thought it was just coming in from outside under, you know, into that area. So he wanted to encapsulate it. Uh, oh boy, you know, he gave me a price tag of like $150,000. Well, there was no, I didn't have that kind of funds. So in my journey of learning all of this, I had attended a couple of crowdfunding um, seminars. And I knew, of course, Martin had knowledge of that as well. So I said to Martin, I think I'm going to do a crowdfunding. And um, I said, you know, I just don't have the money. I'm too old to go borrow that kind of money. And so I started looking into crowdfunding. And there is uh, Give, Send, Go. It's a Christian organization. They pass 100% of that money, that gifted money to us. They don't reserve anything for themselves, but at the end, they will ask that donor, would you like to make a donation to that platform? That's how they make it. And so I had some people, they'd give $5 to them. You know, they might give me $50 and they might would give them five. Anyway, I had my community to give me a little over $20,000. It was unbelievable. Well, I want to talk a little bit about that, too. There's some extra pieces, I think, or gold to add in. And the fact of it is, is just imagine as a brick and mortar, you're you you hit a bill of $100,000, you know, that you have to hit. And we had the uh, conversation on it. And I said, you know, are you willing to, first of all, talk to your accountant and everyone else to make sure this is okay and you can manage it? And are you willing to keep track of it and give it back if you can't reach it? Because it looked like if you couldn't make $100,000, it was a no-go. So it was, so really notice the that's the type of courage that a small business has. And you went and checked it out and you kept good records and you offered people things like if they paid so much, they'd get free rink time and, and really yes. made all the incentives and tremendous amount of work on it. And what I saw was the relationships you built of people seeing that you were still going and still battling. And you go, we got, you know, we got a thousand dollars. We have a hundred grand to go, but this is a great start. And I think that showed more character to your audience than anything. And then it opened up a second media hit. You had already gotten one media acknowledgement, but you got another and you contacted them and said, Hey, I'm going through this. I don't know if it's an interesting story. And one of our major stations did a story about it. This is important to see because this is the type of courage that you, I, I was in a large corporate world. There's nobody I met there that would take that personal risk. You know, no one. But we see in small businesses, talk about then somebody checked something out and found that you, it might be more affordable. 
And once we, I, I told my nephew, I said, I'd like for you to go under there. Let's get a sunk pump and let's drain that water out. It wasn't a lot, but, you know, it needed to. And so he got it. The next day he went back in there and there was water there again and hadn't been any rain. Because, again, we're thinking like the um, other gentleman, the water was coming in from outside. Groundwater, like just groundwater. Yes. It had to truly be majorly sealed and redirected. So, um, you know, I said to my nephew, well, let's pump it again. And sure enough, pumped it a second day, went back. There was water. So my brother said, I, there must be a leak or something. So we kill, we're on a, a water pump, you know, we're out in the county. So we killed the water uh, from the pump and we again drained. And the next, the next day it was dry. So at that point, I knew we did not have the major problem that we initially thought that we had. So we really um, started seeing we're not going to need to do, all, we're not going to need that 150000 that we thought we needed. And um, again, you know, the community, I would receive checks in the mail, and then I had a lot to contribute through the funding platform of Give, Send, Go. So again, I needed to keep my community informed. So I used my social media. You know, I would do some live broadcast. Um, I did, I created a lot of different images to share as posts. And um, I did some videos. That was a very critical, you know, and I think that is what helped me move this whole process along. You know, I had a gentleman that had a food truck. He grew up skating with us. And he said, Miss Denise, I want to come out. And um, I can't remember. He, I think he gave me 50% of what he did. Yeah, he, it was a fundraiser he did. Right yeah, there. it was a fundraiser. Yeah. So yeah. we set a date and I started promoting it. And we had a huge, it was a Friday night. And uh, we had a huge turnout, you know. And I mean, it was just... I just have to tell you, it is so warming to your heart to see your community come out like that. That happens when people like you take the risk. So I want to tell you in my experience, but even your competition reached out and offered something. Actually, he did. He said, you know, let's do a skate night for you, which I thought was great. We never actually did it, but um, as things progressed and uh, we were getting repaired and we were looking like, okay, I think we're going to be able to open the beginning of August. We're probably determining that maybe late June because, you know, it, it, you've just got to get final things set up to reopen again. So we set the date, I believe it was August the 5th was the first Friday night of the month. And um, my competitor called me that Tuesday on the phone and he said, Denise, I just want to let you know, I'm going to close Friday night. I'm not going to be open. And I want this to be your night. And I'm going wow. to tell my customers they need to go skate with you. Now, I have to tell you, that just meant the world to mm -hmm. me. Um, but again, I just think roller skating rinks are just unique 
businesses anyway. You know, we are very people oriented and, um, you know, Richard will just never know how much that meant to me that, um, you know, he was willing to do that to um, honor me because I did. I felt very honored that he would do that. And now you're back and live and going and doing wonderful STEM projects to get kids yes. in. And didn't a school say we want to bring 100 kids or something to, yes. to your rink? Um, we have been offering STEM field trips. We probably had them two or three years prior to COVID. COVID being two years, children went nowhere. There were no field trips. So this year, I felt like everybody was going to be back in the mode of going. Uh, I did my email blast out to schools and teachers, letting them know. As soon as they hit the mailbox, I started getting phone calls. I started getting emails, more information I want to schedule. So we've had a strong um, fall semester of classes. And I think the spring will be very strong. We've probably moved into at least three new counties this year with um, schools from three newer counties bringing students to us. And so um, I'm just thinking it's going to be a great, a, a great spring. And I have to say, the STEM classes are probably my most rewarding part of the week. Many of those children have never been to a skating rink. They don't know what one looks like. A lot of them never skated. And uh, I have the opportunity to teach them how to skate because I put my skates on and I I think I have a pretty good lesson on how to skate. You know, you got to know how to keep your balance, how to move your feet and then how to get up from a fall. And I, I just try to keep it that simple and most of the time they're skating before they leave. So sometimes they'll come up to me and say, hey, Miss Denise, I learned how to skate today. And, you know, that just tickles me pink because um, I think I've made a friend for life, you know. Yes. the And I think you call it the original social media roller that, skating rank, right? That is correct. They coined that. We do National Roller Skating Month in October. And I bet you 20 years ago, I had a fly, uh, a poster that said roller skating, the original social network. Mm -hmm. And it really is because that's why kids come to the rink. It's socializing with their friends. Well, this has been wonderful and exciting to have you. And we're really looking forward to continuing having you part of the brick and mortar roundtable that we have and uh, looking forward to hearing more stories and more information. And this is what's wonderful is the stories of real people in real towns that have uh, put themselves on the line and build connections and relationships. And I tell you, you know, once you really begin to network with other people, um, I guess you begin to see some of your strengths and weaknesses and it, it kind of shows you, you know, what to polish up and what to improve. And uh, I do feel like I have just grown tremendously over the last couple of years. And um, I still feel like I can learn a whole lot more. I'm always willing to learn. Thanks everyone for joining Thank us you. tonight. Really appreciate nice to meet you all. Take nice care. too. Thank Have you. Bye. Bye. See you. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Bye -bye. everybody. Hope you enjoyed this show. 
And there are further links in the text below, including the Main Street Mastermind project I'm doing with Alignable. Wish you a wonderful new year and excited to keep getting your feedback on my shows. Email me at martin at martinbrossman.com. Make sure to put in the text podcast and referencing the show. Have a great day.